Kuda has been everywhere early on. Oh, oh, he's oh. got to get his form. The dancing feet of Doug Martin. Nick Martin. There's a new man in town. Draper wants to put an end to all this. Hands it over to Guelphie. Draper wants it back. The brush off runs into space. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes who have known each other forever. We catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD for lunch, talk everything Essendon Footy Club. We have a very special post-Anzac Day show tonight. Friend of the pod and all-round footy guru from Footyology, Rowan Connolly, joins us. But my name's Grant, and with me initially is Scott. Hello, everyone. Yes, uh, straight off uh, straight off the uh, top of the show, we're going to have Rowan join us straight away. So... Let's get straight on to it. Mr. Rowan, how are you, mate? Uh, good, guys. Thanks for having me back. And hello to uh, fellow Bomber Tragics. And uh, <laughs> hope you're, uh, hope everyone's uh, coming to grips with <laughs> another Anzac Day defeat. Managed yes. to get to work and didn't end at all or anything. Yeah. <laughs> now, look, before we even talk football, uh, I know I'm getting this question a lot. Um, uh, we saw a social media post from yourself that looks quite serious. Can you tell us about where your health is today and, and what actually happened? Because uh, a few people have asked me, said, what happened to Rowan? Uh, and so I thought I'll just ask you on the show and you, and you can just discuss what happened. I'm chuffed that anyone would care to be perfectly frank. But, uh, oh, look, yeah, it, it was uh, it was a bit concerning. I, I had um, I actually thought I had a bit of a, a virus, a fluey type thing and it um i was getting really bad pain when i when i was coughing um like quite you know pain like i hadn't experienced before it didn't clear up um for oh you know close to two weeks and in the end uh they sent me off for a ct scan which um i was pretty relaxed about and at least until the radiographer came out and said uh you've got bleeding from the brain and i'm Come, I'm here now to take you down to emergency. Um, uh, that was a Cabrini, which uh, is a great hospital. Unfortunately, I don't have private health cover anymore. So uh, I got the big ambulance ride in the uh, with the lights <laughs> and the siren and everything um, all the way down Commercial Road to the Alfred Hospital. Um, and, yeah, I was in the Alfred for a week. Um, they did an angiogram, which fortunately um, determined that I didn't have an aneurysm, which is a thing that sort of kills you or gives you a stroke. Um, so I was just under observation, basically. They did a lot of tests and um, I was put on a fair bit of medication. Um, and, yeah, I was in there for just on a week. Um, I've been home now for three weeks and... I feel it okay. I've had sort of low-level headaches because um, the, the, it's sort of like a, it was explained to me it's like a, a bad corky. You know, the blood has sort of got to dissipate from the area where it's where there's been a hemorrhage. And yeah. um, so I'm sort of waiting for that to happen. And whilst that happens, you can get a bit of irritation, which can cause headaches and stuff. So um, I'm, I'm basically feeling all right, and you know I've gone on working, whatever. I've got. To, I'm actually having a another CT scan next Monday, so fingers crossed that'll show that everything's basically back to normal. But um, yeah, look, a bit uh, another one of those moments where you you ponder your mortality. I, I don't tend to get sick much, but I, as I was saying to you guys off air, when uh, when I do go down, I tend to go down with a thud. I've had <laughs> I've had heart issues, and I've had a a discectomy, and um, so I don't, I don't mess around when I do take ill. But uh, look, the in all seriousness, the response from people has been quite overwhelming. It's um, it's been really gratifying, actually. So, if anyone, I don't know that there is. If there's anyone listening to this who follows me on Twitter or whatever, or, or has reached out, uh, can't thank you enough because it's um, yeah, it, it really helped me actually get through just knowing that someone actually gave a toss about my well-being. So, um, yeah, that's that's it, basically. Hopefully onward and upward from here. Now, well, we're absolutely wrapped that you're, that you're doing better and, and, and you know, um, thoughts for Monday's result. Um, and hopefully that's showing some some better signs of that the, the bleeding's uh, starting to disappear. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, 
thoughts are with you, mate, and 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 um, but you're, you're looking much better. <laughs> so you're looking back to your normal self, which is appreciate. So uh, yeah, it, it's good sign. That, Look, that's not that's not a high bar. <laughs> <is it>? <laughs> <laughs> So, um, look, uh, obviously, it, it probably yesterday didn't help um, uh, with the result, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts. And I and we were talking before the show, and I deliberately said, "Don't tell me your thoughts on this." I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the siren goes at the end of the fourth quarter, and you know, I've, we've all saw what happened: forty-four to three scoreline in the last quarter. What? What are your thoughts, if you, you know, immediately, and, and what has that changed today about the overall picture of, of us, how Essendon is? Um, well, just firstly, just from a selfish point of view, my, my initial thought was actually perversely a positive, and that was I've sat in the media area today directly behind three former colleagues, all of whom were Collingwood supporters, uh, I've, I've watched my team implode and I've managed to keep it together and not throw a complete uh, tanty. So, um, uh, and one of the things I've been told to avoid was stress. So I thought, well, if I'm still sitting here alive, uh, I'm, I must be getting better. So that was the that was the positive. Oh, look, it was, um, yeah, look, it was enormously disappointing. I've got to say, though, the way I, I am... I often say to people, I'm not a glass half empty person. My glass never had anything in it to begin with. So <laughs> it, it makes coping with defeat better. And I've got to, I've, this is just the way I do it. But I've got, after, even as early as, uh, was it Johnson that kicked the second goal in the last quarter? Yeah. I said, we're, we're in enormous trouble. Um, because they got, you know, they got those goals quickly and it was just a tide out of the middle. Um, so even whilst, uh, I am going to say we. I'm on a supporters podcast, bugger it. Um, uh, you know, even though we remained within striking distance, I just didn't feel like we had any momentum. And and then, you know, we had four inside 50s, actually scored from three of them, but couldn't kick a goal, you know. So we needed a jag one to just give ourselves some sort of chance and we couldn't do it. Now, having said all that, um, I, I went down to the rooms and, was in the rooms and did both the coaches and whatever. And by the time we got downstairs, uh, I was actually pretty philosophical about it because I think the the positives were good enough to outweigh the negatives. And I keep saying to myself, you know, if you'd said to me that at this stage of the season, Essendon would be, you know, four and two, having lost, having wed Collingwood by five goals at three-quarter time and having got close enough to St Kilda and at one, at one stage been a realistic chance, I would have been really happy with that, you know, and uh, that's the nature of it, isn't it? As the performance goes up, you, your expectations go up, but my expectations were pretty damn low at the start of the season. So uh, I think the pluses really do outweigh the negatives and, and sure, the, the fade-out is disappointing. Uh, there are various theories I have about that, which I'm happy to expand upon. But um, I think overall the picture is is a lot healthier than it was, and healthier than certainly healthier than I thought it would be. I'm really glad to hear you say that because Scotty and I, after the game, as you probably know, we do a post game reaction show. As soon as we get back to the house, we we jump on and just we don't do the stats as much. We just jump on and give our reaction to what happened. Now. It was very raw leaving the ground. It was very raw on the train. It was all of the things that everybody else was feeling. But Scotty and I both looked at each other at the post-game reaction show and sort of went, oh, I'm really happy with the way they played because I know we've we've had first quarters where we haven't come to play and we've been found out and we've been chasing rear ends for the rest of the game and stuff. But I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that you're trying to concentrate on the positives because that's where I think my head is. And I know Scott's head is as well, is that even with Dacos's 30 odd to three quarter time and not putting a tag in him or anything like that, we were four goals up on Collingwood and only a decent competitive fourth quarter. We would have won that game and all, all hell would have broken loose. If we had to won that game, like, <laughs> it, it would have been incredible for the supporters. So I'm really happy to hear that you're concentrating on the positives because there's so many, we get a lot of people on the Facebook page and the like that are concentrating on the negatives, yeah. but 
what one negative that I, I I was hoping to ask you the question and you sort of led me into it was, what's your number one theory on the final quarter? I I, I looked at it and just thought sheer tiredness because Collingwood seemed to get the handball out and then run 25, 30 metres with it before they kicked. Essendon got a, like a quick quickie handball out or something like that and they tried to make up that same distance with a kick because they were too tired to run. What do you reckon? Yeah, um, oh, no doubt about it. They, they were overrun by, a, by a, an opponent that, you know, you hesitate to say fitter, but it was interesting. I, I was in the Collingwood rooms and I, I interviewed um, Steel Sidebottom for a, a piece I haven't written yet, actually, but I'm, I'm going to write it for ESPN. And just to go with that, um, on Sunday, I was working for 3AW and we interviewed Mason Wood from St Kilda. And it was a fascinating interview about the sort of pre-season training that the Saints have done. And I know Collingwood have sort of done a similar sort of thing and it involves a lot of high-speed uh, intensity in terms of running load and more work without the footballs. Um, just real hard fitness stuff. And Wood was saying, you know, it was by some measure the, the toughest preseason he'd done. I know that's a cliche, but he, he did expand upon the sort of stuff they were doing. And you really notice with St Kilda, the amount of territory their players are covering is why their defensive system is just so effective at the moment and why Ross Lyon's side in general, sides in general, have been like that. Now, St Kilda at the moment is the number one defensive side by a fair margin. And this is a side that I don't know where they ranked for points against last year, but it was a lot lower than first. Um, they get back in incredible numbers. Now, Collingwood, and it was really noticeable being there, I felt, uh, not just in the last quarter either, probably the whole second half, I felt like they were running on the top of the ground a bit more than our blokes were. And funnily enough, even though we dominated that third quarter and it was, what was it, six goals to one? Yeah, um, yeah. They they could have had a few. They fluffed a few opportunities and, uh, you know, we, we concocted a few goals. Sometimes the, the actual scoreboard isn't necessarily reflecting the balance of play. So I don't feel like we dominated that third quarter as much as they dominated the last quarter. All roundabout way of saying, and still Sidebottom spoke about this too, their fitness levels are elite and have a look at Collingwood's record in coming back and in last quarters over the last year and a half. It's been phenomenal. Now, that's not to say Essendon can't get to that stage, but I think, and this is not a shot at the current regime, it may be a bit of a shot at previous regimes. It may be a shot, again, at this cultural baggage that I know I, every, I keep saying everything goes back to this, but I think Essendon has been a club that hasn't set a high enough bar. Uh, on the field particularly. Now, there are various reasons for that, but I think players have found it uh, hard to drive themselves to the sort of levels players at other clubs under particular coaches and particular fitness regimes or whatever have been able to take themselves. That will come, mm. um, but I think it's a bit of a learning process. And I've discussed this just in the last, well, since the game, with a couple of very learned AFL people who've been involved with a lot of clubs, are involved with clubs now and are across this stuff, and they agree that even some of Essendon's most senior and best players probably don't have the sort of fitness base some of their rivals do because they just haven't been driven as hard as their opponents at other clubs have. And when push comes to shove, they cannot attain that sort of ability to push through the barrier and keep going and keep going, keep going that these other sides have. And they'll get there. The good thing is I think that Brad Scott is very aware of this and I think whilst he can't sort of necessarily say this publicly, I suspect he's very aware of it as well. And there was an interesting comment he made at his press conference, which was, you know, we're, we're still a work in progress. We've still got a way to go. I can't remember the exact phrase, but he basically said, in a way, it's good what happened because, you know, had we won, it makes it harder to turn around and say we've still got a long way to go because no one believes you. You've just won a massive game what? against a really highly point. credentialed <clears throat> opponent. 
And I, I, I just think reading between the lines, that was his way of saying what I'm saying. Yeah, I reckon you've made some fantastic points. So I, I thought the same when, like, when you have an external review in it and it obviously brings up the point of the fitness of the group in your external review as a problem. Um, I always thought like, and I don't know if, I don't know AFL enough to know if this is true, but I always felt like, well, that's probably not going to fix it in one preseason, preseason, how far we're behind. Exactly, um, and, but I do sense the group is addressing it and they've put step one into place, but you're right. That's where the coach is talking about, really two or three years down the track when this repetitive, strong preseason fitness basis kicks in because the confidence comes in to when they are running over the ground, what's actually happening on the field because against Melbourne, they did well. Collingwood, they've done well uh, when they're running on top of the field. I think the other areas um, Scott probably understands too, especially with the omission of merit, is probably just looking at that midfield and and across the ground. I'm going to be honest here, and the, the lack of star power over that ground in crucial moments, and probably and probably an extensive six to eight leadership group of of 200 game experience. Pendlebury, Crisp, you know, side bottom, Moore, uh, Dugowie. Just that level of where Collingwood's at right now. They're at peak age right now to strike, but we're nowhere near that. And I think those two areas to me also, the star power, they need they need 50 to 100 games more to Perkins and Cox and Reed and Sardis, who they drafted number uh, early on. So they need these young kids, but we're just not there. We're just not there. No, no, spot on. I, I agree with what you've said 100%. I, 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 the extension of that is, and I, I hope I'm not stealing your thunder, you might have been going to ask me this anyway, but in an overall sense, what I'm liking most about what's happening so far this season is the very orthodoxy of it. And and what I mean by that is, you know, for as long as I can remember, Essendon has always relied on the extraordinary be it individual performances or some backs to the wall sort of thing or some huge emotional charge, you know, go back yeah. to the saga for that one. We have won, by my reckoning, very few games or, or had very few periods of success where we were just, your, you know, your sort of bona fide... Methodical almost. <laughs> typical methodical <laughs> football club that did things efficiently played the percentages, um, you know, set up in a fairly typical manner. That also goes down to things like durability. And um, you mentioned Perkins. What I'm loving most about Perkins is above and beyond everything else, he gets on the park every week. He plays, you know. And like how many young guys have we had who come into the team and show a bit of talent and then stay fit? And play every week. Yeah. You can count them on one hand, you know, for various reasons. But we need more of that. We need more of those young guys fraying up week in, week out, not necessarily having the games of their lives, but the p- difference between their highest and lowest being flattened so there's a consistent level of performance. We need a lot more of that. And I feel with guys like Perkins, I feel with a guy like Durham, I feel with a guy like Martin, and I'm very much a believer in Hobbs from this perspective. I think they're the sorts of guys that will do that. And I think they're the sorts of guys that Scott is probably pretty keen to turn into the next generation of leaders because they're the sort of leaders you need, those guys that you know you're going to count on week in, week out. Now, you mentioned the Collingwood guys. I can't remember who said this, but uh, you know it was a, a pretty – uh, credible source, and they were saying, I can't think of many players in the history of the game whose uh, weekly average weekly output is as consistent as Scott Pendlebury's. And they're the sorts of players who are, in, are invaluable as leaders. I think Zach Merritt is is very close to being one of them. 
you know, Zach doesn't turn in many shockers, does he? Yeah, yeah. You count them on the hand, on the, on the fingers of one hand. And whilst and and this is a sort of on-field culture, I think Essendon needs, and he's starting just in the infancy is is starting to build, and. No doubt what you said, Scott. You know, the, the, there is a big gap between what Collingwood has in that respect and what Essendon has in that respect, and that was critical in the last quarter when steady heads were required. Essendon doesn't have them yet, but they will develop them. Yeah, and just to, there was one crazy stat that uh, there was 13, um, we tried to move the ball 13 times out of defensive 50. Ten of those were intercepted in the last quarter. So it just showed you poise, calmness, you know, and that's what that's when you're talking. And that's what I mean about a Penbury doesn't do that, a side bottom doesn't do that. They they see the game, they calm down, they slow it down, and, and that's where we got caught out. So uh, I'm just curious your thoughts. There, there was a bit of a debate on selection, and I was a bit of pro Davy being selected. Uh, but there was a bit of talk about, oh, you know, how about Waller or more experience? What, what's your debate on that and about how the fine line of bringing in kids um, and or and in these big games playing experience? I like the idea of young kids getting this experience, but it may cost you exactly what happened. But what are your what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, no, I think it's a really interesting question. Um, I'm a, I'm a bit each way, to be honest. I, I love the X factor of a um, a Waller, but I tend to think if he had been up to it, he would have been picked. So yeah. clearly there's still some reservations on that score. But all the same, that that's sort of going against what I said before. I'd rather see Essendon um, have more selection integrity, if you like, and less pulling a rabbit out of the hat Type okay. move, yeah, which, yep. I, which I think, and Sheeds was big on that, and often it worked for Sheeds, but sometimes it didn't work for Sheeds, aka uh, Matthew Anzac Day Banks, you know, back in the late nineties. <laughs> yeah. um, A lot of the time, yeah. Sheeds had the Herd, Lloyd, Fletcher. He had the he had the crux of of what Collingwood have to to shield those guys. Though, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Look, the one, um, no, I, I was I was fine with Davy. Um, playing it, you know, one stage I was thinking, do you know, is it worth, you know, do you have a punt on a guy like Voss, you know, perhaps? But I mm. thought, you know, Wiedemann was available. He was he was the logical one to come in, and I thought he did okay. Yeah, he did well. Uh, the one I probably would have played Hobbs not as the sub because yeah. I, I think Getting he's Getting a lot of a, that feedback. Yeah, I think he's got a, I I just – He's, there's something about him, you know, and he sort of – I reckon he fits this template that I'm talking about. He's not spectacular, but he's strong-bodied and he's pretty consistent and he generally makes the right decisions. And I thought he was pretty – I think he had about six or seven disposals in the last quarter. I thought he did what he could. And I just reckon him in there for the whole game would have been handier than just having him as that sort of shock trooper in the last quarter. But – the fact that he did come off the bench and, and did have that impact, uh, you know, I think he's very much part of the planning for the midfield long term. So that's good. Mate, it begrudges me to, to say this, but I'd love to get your opinion on um, Darcy Moore. Uh, we, we couldn't get the ball past him. Uh, like oh, it, it frustrated the hell, <coughs> excuse me, the hell out of me that we kept lobbing it to him. But the more I, the more I think about the game, the more he leaves his opponent brilliantly he influenced so many different um, packs and different occasions. We, uh, we we're not real special at getting into our, our forward fifty and and making something from it. But I'd love to get your opinion on him because he he was almost bog for me. Oh, he's outstanding. I mean, he's been he's been outstanding for a, a several years now. And um, as someone who's old enough to watch most of the career of his old man, as old I am. Um, there's so many similarities between Peter and, and Darcy, not just in appearance, but, uh, you know, Peter was an incredibly athletic big man who, you know, could play forward, played in the ruck, won a Brownlow as a ruckman, one as a ruckman and one as sort of a hybrid forward ruckman ahead of his time, blah, blah, blah. But it was a, a great reader of play. And I think, I think the genes have been passed down. I mean, speaking about genealogy, you know, 
Dacos. Um, it, it, you know, there's a lot to be said for for sporting genes, and I think Darcy has inherited them, and he's he, he's a very smart footballer, athletically gifted. Uh, as you say, Grant, you know, knows the the right times to come off his man, yeah. the right times to attack and to defend, and and plus. Uh, anyone who heard his post-game speech, wow, what a cracking Very speech. Very impressive, yeah. Oh, Again, a, credit where it's due there. Yeah, no, he's, he's, a, he's a lovely guy and he's a, a oh. really smart guy and he's he's a terrific leader. So, um, yeah, no, he's a, he's a wonderful player. And, you know, look, we've we got guys who hopefully can evolve into something. I mean, Jordan Ridley, I think, is a guy who plays that yeah. intercept defence role pretty well. I think Laverde... Uh, you know, has had his moments in that sort of role. Um, and that's another, by the way, I've stumbled onto another one there. I think another big plus of this year is how well that defensive unit has operated as a unit, despite, you know, appearing often to, you know, lack a bit of height and a bit of strength. And and ditto the forward setup, you know, without your leading goal kicker of last year and for a, a fair bit of this year so far without your number two goal kicker of last year, they've managed to, I think before last weekend they were ranked fourth for points four and I think third for fewest points conceded. So given the number of outs they've been, um, they've been quite remarkable returns really and that again points to the all-round solidity of, of uh, the the way the, uh, the team has played its football so far this season. I'm curious, um, just as an overall club thing, you know, it seems – tell me if you get the same vibe. It, it seems Barham and Vozzo and and even Marnie to an extent, it sounds like the club's gone very, very quiet and, and almost a delib- deliberate um, ploy to – I don't know if it's – my my gut feel says it's almost to have a calmness. Like it's almost like a Geelong. Like we don't have to say anything. We don't have to be – we don't have to talk ourselves up. You're not going to hear from us. Our, our footy will do the talking and Brad Scott will be the face of the club. Very much shitty-esque in some ways. Have you seen that? Do you do you get that same vibe? I do. I do. I get exactly that vibe. And uh, hand on heart here, I, I've actually not had a discussion with anyone to that effect, but I think that's definitely what is happening. And, and if you like, that is just an off-field version of what I was talking about on-field. It's Essendon doing things the way a typical AFL club does them in an orthodox manner without fuss, getting the job done. Because, look, to be honest, I think we as supporters, let alone the outside football world, have had a gutful of Essendon talking the talk and not walking the walk. And it's been the common denominator for way too long. And even we're sick of it. So just, you know, enough with the hype. Let's just get some runs on the board, and I, I think they've done this really well. But having said that, like I don't think it's—I'm sure they would have had a chat about it, but I don't think it's been this sort of dominant theme. We can't make a noise, you know. Don't don't say no, anything. Don't yeah, say. Anything. Yeah. I think it's come quite naturally, which again convinces me that this is a football club determined to become a effective, average in a good way. AFL club rather than one that's always beating its chest or you're always reading about or there's always promises about, you know, we can do this or we might do that. And, you know, I, I you guys know I've used this line a bit, you know, the, the whole thing about being flogged discount furniture five minutes after a 10-goal loss, you know, I'm, I'm not missing that. Um, you know, and I'm just enjoying the footy club I follow being a a pretty normal sort of footy club and having good solid wins that aren't reliant on some ridiculous, you know, extraordinary effort from someone just cocking up a good win here and there with basic, efficient, effective football. I'll say this too, and, you know, I've always liked Brad Scott and I've had a good relationship with him, but um, I don't mean this as an insult to others, but... Um, gee, it's great having um, a really intelligent guy leading the team and giving press and giving press conferences where you ask a question and you just get a good answer, a good intelligent answer that doesn't doesn't obfuscate or you know uh, skirt around the issues or go in another direction. 
And, you know, when I say go in another direction, uh, even the great Kay Sheedy, well, he's probably the worst at that in the history of the game, you know. Like, and I felt that walking away from Brad's press conference last night, actually, it was, you know, geez, you know, he answered some searching questions honestly and well and, and directly. So, you know, the supporters feel like, yeah, I get what this guy's trying to do and where this team's trying to go. And I sort of feel as a supporter, I feel like that. So hopefully the rest of the support base feels like that as well. And again, Craig Vozzo. I Look, I don't know Craig. I, I, I've spoken to him on the phone a few times. I think back in his West Coast days, I still haven't met him. Um, I'm looking forward to that. But mm. uh, every report I hear about him is is glowing in terms of, you know, this guy's just no nonsense, footy orientated, uh, you know, worked with the West Coast, you know, through bad and good, um, keen to settle down that turbulent atmosphere that has surrounded this club for so long. And that's another aspect to it, which is gradually going to affect the whole culture of the club. So all these things are going on simultaneously and they don't happen overnight and it's going to take time and there's going to be the odd stumble and look on the field, you know. We're, <laughs> it doesn't get much tougher than this week, does it? Playing Geelong. Five-day break. Uh, yeah. Off a five-day yeah. break with Geelong having had an eight-day break. And and again, this gets back to Brad Scott. I asked him at the press conference. I said, uh, "Have you ever coached a team uh, that's had three days less break than its opposition?" And he said, uh, "Yeah, I think once." And I said, "How'd that go?" And he said, "Not too well from memory, you know." <laughs> um, but they're ready for this stuff, you know. They knew yeah. this was coming, obviously, so they've got a, a training program to suit. But. Um, you know, all these little hurdles and stumbles along the way. After Geelong, they've got Port Adelaide in, in Adelaide and then they've got Brisbane in Brisbane. Then they've got Richmond at the MCG. I mean, Essendon could lose four games in a row here, but I'm, as a supporter, I'm determined not to panic as a result of that because I'm pretty confident they'll at least give a guaranteed effort and even should they lose all every one of those games, I... I I'm pretty confident you will still see at least some signs of continued development in those four games. So, uh, look, it's a, it's a it's a big picture view. I think you have to take, and um, so, so far, so good for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd look. I, I totally agree. I I think I mentioned after it was either the the GWS game, I think, and uh, we had we had like a, a really it was one of those games we had a really poor forward line set up, and we had like 29, 30 shots on goal. And I remember saying, uh, I don't know if it was to Grant or, or someone else, I said, I can't tell you how refreshing it is to win a game off a system. Like just yeah. just yeah. having a system. Yeah, have a system in place and, and you didn't need individual brilliance. It was just a professional system that won a football game. And it is, you know, it's... It's the best. It's the best. It's a. It's a great feeling because uh, it's. It's just something that uh, of growth. Look, I, I, I think. Yeah. Look, just to add to that, I, th I think um, that's something worth bearing in mind when you're reflecting on Antec Day too. Is that yes, that last quarter was really disappointing, but the GWS win, uh, the Gold Coast win. I mean, they were both games that at three quarter time, Essendon could easily have lost, and yet. Essendon played the stronger, harder, uh, more resilient football in the last quarter of both those games. Mm. And I think that was important. And the Melbourne game, I mean, that, that was one of the most sort of efficient um, performances Essendon's pulled off against a, a decent opponent for a long time. So, you know, we, you know, whilst it's okay to be disappointed with that fade out against the Pies, put it in perspective with the other stuff. And look, we're not we're not alone of Collingwood dismantling teams in the last quarter, such yeah, as exactly. such as such as where they are as a club and their fitness and and, and you know McRae's coaching the hell out of that team and and he he right now would probably be the the number one sort of to coach right now the way he's turned around that club in eighteen months they're seventeenth they was finished seventeenth eighteen months ago, um, so he's he's coaching the hell out of them. So hey, look. Um, Obviously, you're well known for footyology. Can you tell us how footyology is going and and how how people can listen to footyology and and the website and everything? Can you just? I, I, we haven't done this for a while, but I really want to encourage people to 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 get to footyology because uh, yourself and Rodney you just kill it every week, man. 
Oh, yeah. cheers. No, I appreciate that. Um, well, look, uh, you know, we're always looking for subscribers and that's through Patreon and there are links on the website, footyology.com.au. If you haven't seen the website, <clears throat> it's worth checking out. It's, uh, uh, look, this time of year it's predominantly football, but we do do other stuff. We do some basketball. We do some other sport occasionally. We do things like music, um, politics, uh, culture, society, um occasionally we're you know fortunate to have the likes of Martin Flanagan writing for us which we're very grateful for um the patreon subscription um just enables more well, enables me to be honest to pay these people a very very small pittance to get them to work for us and and hopefully keep quality content out in the internet in a, a media landscape which is increasingly being overrun with cheap and nasty clickbait. So um, <laughs> that's where footyology's at. And, yeah, pretty happy with how it's going. I, look, I won't lie, though. I could definitely use more subscribers because I'm continually putting my hand in my own pocket, which is less than overflowing with gold coins. So <laughs> um, it's 7 bucks a month for subscription. Uh, we're working on getting some more exclusive content for subscribers. Uh, I understand people want some sort of obvious return for that money but you know what i say to people even without that at this stage it's uh at the very least making sure that we can give people the sort of recompense they deserve for contributing to the cause and it's not a lot let me tell you um in fact i'm about to hit the streets and go and beg for my evening meal uh no i'm just kidding on, on that right. one i can i can't afford a cheap a cheap <laughs> no, meal now and again we'll send um, the pizza around or something yeah yeah no we myself and my son eat pizza far too often i'll tell you um <laughs> so that's going well and uh the footyology podcast which uh we now do for espn um really loving that this year uh robert shaw was great love working with shory but this year i'm doing it with rodney Eade, who I've known a long time. We've had a pretty good relationship, but uh, it's it's been fantastic this year. I mean, Rocket's footy brain is second to none. Um, and, you know, we talk about the news of the week off the top and then we preview all nine games. And the level of uh, strategic analysis he brings to that is fantastic. What I actually love about Rocket as an analyst is he's not we – do, we do use stats, but he's able to sort of develop a – holistic view of a side and how it plays and what it needs and what it's doing right and wrong without spewing forth a, a you know, a, a, a catalogue of, of numbers. You know, he's able to sort of draw those conclusions on his own and um, it's fascinating listening and I, I just bounce off that and I'm lucky to be the beneficiary of that. So we're loving doing the podcast together and it's, it's going really well and the feedback's been fantastic. So I'd love people to to check out the Footyology uh, podcast if they can, which is available on all your leading podcast platforms. <laughs> yeah. And I look, uh, just quietly, I love the NBA content that's coming. I'm a, I'm a mad American basketball fan, NBA. I love some of the NBA content. So people I know follow me, list, listen to the NBA as well. So it, like Rowan said, it's not just AFL. The NBA finals are on at the moment. Uh, and some really good content that's been coming through. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's really good work. So, um yeah, it's good value. The, the other thing I'd, um, you know, if people want to abuse me in person or whatever or, or you know, one-to-one, <laughs> they can do that at Twitter, which I'm hanging in with. Uh, gee, we could do a whole podcast about Twitter because uh, that man, Elon Musk, he's taken it down the toilet. I'm very <laughs> unhappy with the way Twitter's going, I've got to say. Did but, you lose uh, your blue tick? Yeah, yeah. No, that was always going to happen. Um, that wasn't a worry in itself, but it's just none of what he does makes sense. Like, it, it, it's not me losing my blue tick. It's just the people that have blue ticks now, they're not verified. It's just anyone who's prepared to pay 8 bucks US a month and has a has a phone number that can be contacted. I mean, that's not verification. Um, he's, he's a very, very strong. Strange man, Elon Musk, let me tell you. But all I know is my feed is getting overrun with ads for crypto and the World Gold Council, uh, not to mention porn bots. They're springing up left, right and centre. And I, I hasten to add, I, it's not because of anything I've clicked on, let me tell you. I think it's a pretty common problem at the moment. So... Um, I'm, I'm quite sad about it because I think Twitter has had been a fantastic platform, but just... 
I don't know. I want to engage with it west and west because just the the timeline just seems to be overflowing with rubbish, to be honest. So I'm hoping he'll lose interest in his latest shiny little toy and move on to <laughs> ruining something else and leave the rest of us alone at some stage. <laughs> on those beautiful <laughs> No beautiful note. Um, no, no. Look, it's but, uh, Elon's a listener, so uh, that'll get through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Look, thanks so much for coming on, man. Uh, I, I really, really appreciate it. Um, always a friend of the show. This must be. You're definitely, I think, the the most. Uh, you've probably, yeah, the most invited guest coming along, and there's a reason for it because. I love just – I just know I'm going to get uh, just an honest, blunt conversation and, and talk footy. You can uh, – I always love, and I say this sincerely, that every time you speak, there's a passion behind when you're talking footy. And and the authentic part of that to me is why I love coming back to having you on. So I, I appreciate what you do for this industry and, and, and how you talk about the game and how you love the game. So – Thank you so much uh, for coming on, man. It's, it's it's always a pleasure. No, pleasure, guys. No, I really appreciate it. Uh, well, ditto. I mean, I enjoy the work you guys do and I think it's pretty valuable and I love the fact that footy clubs can have a sort of community like this, um, you know, be it podcasts or fan forums or, or whatever. I think it's fantastic and it's, it's a great way um, that AFL clubs can stay relevant and really connected to their fan bases. So, um, you know... Uh, I actually am going to catch up with a few Essendon people in the next couple of weeks, so I'll certainly be making a point about things like your podcast, and I think they recognise the importance of that too, or this new administration hopefully will be uh, more cognisant of the importance of keeping these things in mind. So, um, yeah, go Bombers, and um, happy to come on any time, guys. Thanks, man. All the best. Uh, We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, mate, just another, we, we, we say this every time he comes on, but another incredibly good um, and insightful interview with Rowan Connolly there. Um, I, I said it on the Facebook page, what he doesn't know about football, you don't need to know. Um, and uh, a, a massive Essendon fan. So can't thank the boy enough. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, no, it's no um, no secret that Rowan's one of my favourite guests, if not my favourite Um yeah, I mean, we're just lucky to have, you know, if you think of the guys who've been on the most, Ron Conley and Cal Toomey, <laughs> like just the expertise and, and the knowledge of uh, of that. And you heard Ed Pascoe was, as, uh, talking about the draft and that expertise. And he's, you know, he's a, he's a, He's a scout now for the under under sixteens talent and just yep. um and just yeah, it's just the knowledge that we have access to is just uh, it's a bit of a privilege for us. So hey, uh, I wanted to talk about the Essendon VFL game. Uh so we we played the Pies at Victoria Park. I went along and uh, to see it. It it, it, it oddly it, it mirrored <laughs> unfortunately Anzac Day in the in the AFL. We Controlled a lot of the game. We're up by four, 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 five goals, and we blew the lead and got overrun the last quarter. So very eerie kind of uh, mirrored game there. Uh, so um, the whole two programs can have a look at their fitness pace after that one. Um, uh, look, great to have Zach Reed play his first game of the year. Uh, Naturally rusty. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He dropped. My car's a bit rusty there. Yeah, yeah, he dropped two or three marks. You'll never see him probably drop it <laughs> ever again. Um, just rusty, nervous. Uh, as the game went on, he did get better. Uh, he his positioning was all fine, running to the right areas. Uh, so uh, that was good. Baldwin came back from his concussion. If you remember, he had actually two weeks off for his concussion. Again. 
I probably didn't expect him to look so rusty, but he was really rusty the first quarter um, or the first half. But okay. the second half, he started to, started to click into gears. So he'll be the classic better for the run. Um, I, you know, the the the, the Herald Sun reports tonight that Laverde will miss games. So that yeah. that, that brings Baldwin into um, probably the talk. Yeah, him him and maybe Montgomery. I Reed just seems too way too early. Um, it's just he needs some VFL games. Yeah, no, you can't. Yeah. Um, but you'd have to think with Tommy guy like Tommy Hawkins that Baldwin's body is probably the more suitor than a Montgomery who's more the Ridley floating across kind of guy. Um, so. I would think Baldwin may get the call up to answer that. So, um, yeah, he's played outside of this weekend. He's actually had a ripping year down at, at fullback. So he's he's played really, really well, and he would deserve his his opportunity at that at that position. So, um, Nick Bryan was clearly our best player for me uh, over the ground, and okay. and good. you know, is another player that I think would be in consideration. Uh, we didn't speak about it in the last segment, but, you know, Andy Phillips, four disposals, no marks, um, probably um, probably struggled and historically because of his age, um, they manage him quite a lot. So I'm just, I'm just thinking the five-day break. I'm not really dropping him for his performance because that was really his first real blemish. Yeah. He's, had a, he's had a good year, but I'm more thinking the five-day break. Uh, it may be an opportunity to to highlight a Nick Bryan if you're really gung-ho about playing the two rucks. Um, Nick won't give you as much as maybe an Andy Phillips up forward. He's still working on that kind of craft, but he will definitely match the the rucking craft. He's, his rucking is, is really improved. Um, he's, right, he's marking really well over the ground, but he had 10 clearances, I think, something like that in in the VSO. He's, yeah, he did, he's doing well. Um Tex Wanganeen had his best game of the year, so that was good. Really high pressure, um, kicked two goals. Uh, it, it was that was a much more impressive Tex Wanganeen. Uh, so that was really good to see him find some form. He'd been well out of form uh, recently. Uh, Mankara uh, probably for me played his best game uh, of the year. Okay, kicked, kicked one goal, two. Uh, you know, had four or five tackles. Started to add his his speed and pressure. Um, to his game, and I know the VFL coach talked about adding that. They've been talking to him about that because he has genuine speed when he wants it, and uh, he was a bit more proactive in chasing and, and getting a bit more involved. Uh, and, you know, one of them was a rundown tackle that got him these goal. So that was pleasing to see. Uh, uh, so, yeah, that was his best game for the club. So all, all small good steps. Uh, who else? Uh, I was going to mention someone else, and it's totally just – um, escape my mind. So there's no doubt the club rested a, a bunch of guys uh, to in preparation for the five day break. So they rest. Yeah. Uh, obviously, D'Ambrosio, uh, Hindy, Waller, Hobbsy. Obviously, only just played uh, under a half in the seniors. Um, so they've definitely got some cattle ready to run if they need it for the Geelong game. Scott alluded to in a press conference that there'll be quite a number of changes in this game. So you kind of can expect that now because he's kind of suggested that there's definitely going to be changes coming up. Uh, and, you know, those guys, all good runners, Heidi and all that, so Ambrosio, D'Ambrosio. So that that's good. Um, oh, I feel like I'm missing someone. Oh, Vossi. I was going to talk about Vossi. Um, people always ask me about Vossi. Didn't kick a goal first time this year. Uh, there was some critique of his, uh, of his game because he didn't kick a goal. Oh, look, I watched him for the game. One thing I do like about Voss, and I mentioned this last time, uh, when a guy, when a forward doesn't kick a goal, I want to see how much he doesn't drop his head and tries to get still into the game. He had 15 disposals and seven marks, and and he helped a lot on defense. His defensive pressure was excellent, and he did a lot of things that, Maybe even the camera didn't pick up, but he did a lot of heavy rotations back defensively and running defensively to close space to close. Uh, and it was noted in the actual um, the VFL website by the coach as well that they picked that up as well. And uh, so, as much as he didn't kick a goal, he had three shots on goal. One was touched. Uh, he actually kicked a goal, but it was touched off the boot. Um, uh, and and two just just fell short of distance. 
he he's still working so much better than last year. Like last year, if he didn't kick a goal, he was out of the game, like out of the game. Um, so I'm still pleased at his progress about how much he's being involved in the game and, and getting helping out, taking marks across the, across the whole oval, whether it be even half back, kicking out from a point, helping him with the marking just to help out the whole side. So I'm really happy with that. So, uh, Unfortunately, a loss, but, you know, there was still some positives and um, hopefully uh, they can learn from that and and they'll get, a, they'll get a few more guys in the system now. Absolutely. Well, mate, um, it's another Anzac Day. <clears throat> another Anzac Day without a win. But, but, uh, sat next to a Collingwood supporter all day and she was very kind um ms bray if you happen to just log on to the podcast um i will thank you for that um but i i'm i'm choosing to take the positives out of this game because there are plenty um and i hope everybody does the same and that we can brace ourselves for geelong this week because it's going to be it's going to be a hell of a game um but yeah brace yourself for that and and try and concentrate on the positives because they are they are clear and they are there yeah. So a massive thank you to everybody. A huge thank you again to Rowan Connolly. Um, yep. And we will uh, talk to everybody at the Patreons on Thursday for our team select. Well, that's what? No, that's when is that? That's tomorrow. <laughs> yes, team selection's tomorrow. I know it's crazy. That'll be tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. That's nuts. Um, so we'll talk to our Patreons at team selection tomorrow, and then we're back into the game, the poor Essendon boys. So big thank you to everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Talk soon.